0: again, folks, and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nikojimam, again. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's been almost two weeks now since our last episode was published, and my apologies for that. It's a combination of unavoidable issues, such as the death of my PC. Not that this physically stops me from recording the podcast, but it did put a huge dent in all other tasks this week, so this did have to be postponed. And also, to be perfectly honest, with Hanami season, it's been getting increasingly difficult to put in work during the evenings and weekends. To those among you who don't live in Japan, Hanami means cherry blossom viewing. And what it is, is a nationwide excuse to get out to the parks at any hour of the day or night, particularly on the weekends, set up a picnic basket under the cherry blossoms and drink For those of us who do, um, which is a very large proportion of the population here, uh, drink a lot, which naturally also tends to uh, put a huge dent in performance during the day. So, yes, anyway, enough with the excuses. We're back in the saddle and rearing to go. So let's get right down to it. Uh, We've been getting a lot of questions from many of you recently on the topic of guest houses, share houses and similar uh, tourist or holiday accommodation type properties. There are many of you out there who are looking to set up these types of operations here in Japan, particularly in light of this year's Rugby World Cup, next year's Olympic Games, uh, the 2025 World Expo, all of which are events which uh, not only serve to increase tourist numbers as they happen, but also have the added value of reacquainting the world with Japan on a longer term. Uh, Tourist numbers here have more than quadrupled over the last six years, so they've gone from around... 8.3 Eight point three million in two thousand and twelve to over thirty one million tourists, uh, international tourists every year in two thousand and eighteen. And this trend isn't likely to decrease in the next decade or so. on the contrary. So, as you can imagine, particularly with the difficulties imposed on the casual short- term stay uh, industry by the recent legislation on these types of operators since June last year, and we've spoken about this here several times already in past episodes. So this increase in tourist numbers creates a very serious demand in the market for guest houses and similar facilities, which can cater to tourists who either don't want to spend their time or money on hotel rooms or prefer a more traditional experience. And these traditional spots can range as well from very simple, affordable ones like a small family-run guest house and all the way up to super fancy and expensive uh, inn-type resorts, which offer a fully immersive luxury experience. Now, we've spoken here in the past to several operators who run these types of establishments, either as owners and operators themselves, such as Daniel Vovil from the Odyssey Capital Group in Hong Kong, who have a boutique hospitality fund uh, here in Japan uh, with hospitality property assets that cater normally to higher-end clientele. Uh, We've also spoken to uh, Paul Feinberg from Modern Living in Tokyo, who runs Smaller and more affordable operations on behalf of his clients, usually smaller investors that have purchased houses or small buildings um, close or in uh, some of the bigger cities, and rents rooms out by the day on behalf of investors. So again, because so many of you have been sending inquiries our way, asking about the feasibility of these types of properties, and the frame of mind is usually to buy an older traditional style house, uh, somewhere that's attractive for tourists whether it's in one of Japan's big cities, uh, somewhere accessible and attractive in the countryside, like an onsen village, a natural hot springs town, or uh, up in the colder areas near the ski slopes in Hokkaido, Nagano, or anywhere in between. So for today's episode, we thought we'd try and break down what these types of operations look like from a price and profitability perspective. Just to give you a general idea of how to evaluate these types of investments when you consider them, and to help you understand if a particular property, a particular area, or idea for a guest house is worth your time and effort, uh, not to mention your hard-earned cash. Now, the first type, uh, the first step sorry, in these types of operations is to understand the purchase and running costs, which are a derivative of the legal and operational requirements for these types of operations. Because running a short-term stay operation requires far more planning, uh, upkeep, and compliance than any other type of property investment. So the first step is understanding what you're actually going to buy, and this greatly depends on who is actually going to be running it and how. So firstly, it's important to remember that all other things being equal, you need to decide whether this is going to be a full-time business for you as the landlord, or is this going to be something that you're planning to run as a side business, or maybe source out to a management company, etc. The reason this is significant is because Unless you actually apply for a hotel or in license, you're only going to be allowed to lease out rooms by the day for half the year. So you can compensate during the rest of the year by leasing the rooms out on a monthly basis. So month-long leases, as long as they're done with an actual lease contract, are normal leases as far as legislation is concerned. So you can definitely do that without any special requirements. But if some of your rooms are leased by the day, with guests moving in and out at a high frequency and different hours of the day and night, this is not likely to go down well with your longer-term tenants. So bear in mind, people who rent out a place for a month or more already consider the place to be a home of some sort, even if that's for a shorter term. So they expect to have at least a basic level of familiarity with their housemates, So having the place mixed up with short-term holiday makers and longer-term tenants isn't usually feasible. You could designate the place to be a minpaku, short-term stay, and lease out individual rooms during half the year, then try to find someone to rent the entire place maybe for the other six months. But that's a lot easier said than done, and you may end up having to compromise and rent out the place for a shorter or longer period of time for the longer-term tenants because tenants who want to rent an entire house for exactly six months are pretty rare to come by. Or even worse, you could end up with a six-month vacancy after the uh, Minpaku uh, allowance finishes, which would then eat significantly into your profits, and that may take may, may make the entire exercise really unprofitable in the long term, especially if you take into account the amount of time and money that you'll need to spend to set it up and run it for short-term stays uh, during that first period. Now... If you're going to be running the place yourself as a full-time business and either live in the property or very close to it, you can work around this by providing constant assurance and monitoring for your longer-term tenants, uh, separating the uh, structure, if it's big enough, into a short-term area and a long-term area and so forth. But if you're going to be doing that, you might as well apply for a hotel license, which isn't that expensive. Now, the licensing would require some extra compliance on your part. Uh, The structure would have to be designed to to comply with that. But in exchange, you'll have the right to rent out rooms on a short term basis all throughout the year. So it's, it's probably well worth the effort. Also, bear in mind that as part of the legislative revamp, you now need to have a manager on call, normally within less than one kilometer away from the property at any hour of the day and night if you're renting out living space on a daily or or weekly basis. You also need to comply with more health and safety regulations, including fire safety facilities. Uh, And your purchase criteria also changes because you can't be within a certain distance of any public or child and elderly care facility. So nursing homes, libraries, museums, community centers, um, nurseries, clinics, and so forth. So the first step, if you do go down this path, is to confirm that you can actually apply for a license on a particular property and then try to factor in the cost of hiring staff. So again, assuming you're not going to be the one running the place yourself and you're either taking on uh, or outsourcing cleaning, maintenance, etc. as required, quick tip from the experts, and you may recall, uh, I've mentioned here in the past that some of our clients are looking into buying an old home and setting up such an operation. Considering the cost of setting up a company annual company upkeep, accounting, bookkeeping services, uh, the cleaning and consumables that go with the short-term stay operation, staffing, utilities like power, gas, internet. You're generally not going to be turning anything close to an acceptable profit from this type of hassle unless you've got at least nine or ten rooms in close proximity to each other, which can be serviced at least as a single property. So either a very large property, or several smaller ones that are right next to each other and can be serviced on the one go. Now, properties in Japan are cheaper than in many other places uh, in the developed world, particularly out in the countryside. So all of this is doable uh, if you've got a million dollars or two to invest, because you'll either be buying something that costs this much to begin with, or maybe something cheaper that will require this amount of renovation or building uh, to bring it up to rentable standards. But if you're going for anything smaller and or cheaper, you'll probably find that your money and time are better spent running the place as a share house instead of a guest house. Meaning, forego all the licensing and staffing and compliance requirements and simply rent out rooms by the month. You'll often have guests that stay for six to 24 months, which obviously is far less of a hassle to manage uh, compared with daily or weekly rentals. And your income while not as high per room as a short-term stay operation, uh, will still be much higher uh, than what a standard long-term lease of a property would have made you. We've got several clients doing this, and in all cases, they've doubled or very close to doubled the average income for long-term leases, even in places that are seasonal in nature, such as beachside properties or ski resort type assets. In places that attract guests all throughout the year, it can come to even higher than that. So. Even when completely sourced out to a management advertising tenancy company, they're still making more than enough to compensate them uh, for the unstable nature of the business because you are dependent on bookings. Now, this does take a bit more of time and attention uh, on your part compared with standard long-term leases, which are generally hands-free types of investments, but it's well worth it financially and it can definitely be done as a side hassle uh, without having to quit your day job if you're using these types of companies. Now, again, this all changes if you're going to be hands-on. If you're the one who's going to live in the property and manage it on a daily basis, or at least live close enough uh, to satisfy legislative requirements, and you're going to be attending on a daily basis, you can definitely make it work financially, even with the uh, uh, guest house uh, method. And if you're the DIY type who can take care of maintenance, repairs, cleaning, etc. yourself, or if it's a family-run operation, there are... Uh, a few people sharing these responsibilities, it can be even more profitable because you can do it all in-house. In that case, you can definitely do very well even with a smaller property since you'll be cutting a very large portion of your overhead out of the equation altogether. But if, like most of our clients, for instance, you're a hands-off investor and you're out on the lookout for more passive income, you would probably be better off aiming for either the larger, more expensive properties, just to make the overhead worth it. Or alternatively, consider the share house model instead of the guest house model. It's far more likely to make the exercise achievable and profitable from a hands-off perspective and still generate far higher income than your standard long-term leases. Okay, that's it from us for today, folks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and you now have a better idea of how to start moving forward Uh, on that guest house or sharehouse pipe dream of yours. We've actually just added a... uh, I know that many of you have been receiving our uh, sample listings and content uh, that we send out regularly to our mailing list. We've now got a survey on our website and we'll link to it in the show notes that enables you to specify exactly what types of properties you would be interested in and then get uh, custom listings emailed to you instead of just having to browse through the uh, long list of standard listings. Now, we're always available for further discussion on this topic or others, of course. We don't charge for our time for these types of conversations or brainstorming sessions. Always happy to talk shop. Leave us a comment in the comment section of wherever you may have found this episode or email us directly on info at nippontradings.com. That's n i p -P o n tradings with an S, all one word, info at nippontradings.com or via our website contact form on www.nippontradings.com. Please do share this episode and the podcast with your networks if you think they may find it interesting. And above all, we would really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating on the iTunes Store, Stitcher, or wherever else you may be tuning in from. A rating or review from you enables us to reach even more people who may be able to benefit from what we're discussing here on a regular basis. So it's a win-win for all involved and a huge help for us here at NTI. We hope to have you with us next time. And until then, from all of us here, we wish you, as always, happy investing.